Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. This is episode 27 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I'm Tyler Rumchuk. Cam Lewis is with me. We are recapping the three-game series against Tampa Bay where the Blue Jays took two of them. And the third, the, the finale was disappointing. Um, but still, I think it's hard to be upset with what the Jays did in that series. A pair of rather convincing victories. And then some shit happened in the third game. But Cam, it, as a whole, three games, two wins. Hard to ask for much more than that. Yeah, you can't complain because I don't think it's physically possible for the Toronto Blue Jays to sweep the Tampa Bay Rays in, this, in a series. They've done that before against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, like 2007 and earlier. That's fine. But since they became the Rays and they became whatever it is the fuck they are now, that weird, finicky, fucked up team that does stressful stuff. It's creepy. I don't like it. But the Jays have never and will never sweep them again. And that's just the way it is. So two out of three can't complain. That's just, that's life. Yeah, we won't, uh, we'll jump right into three up, three down, actually, because we got a lot of shit to get to here. Uh, it's brought to you by Twig and Berries, where that promo code is NATION15. Check it out, whether you want their very own brand of nutsack underwear or some of their fantastic apparel, twigandberries.ca is the spot you want to go. They won two out of three, so let's stay positive off the yes. hop. And the first one, the big man, Alec big Manoa. Man. Um, man, what a performance from Manoa carries a no hitter into, I think it was the fifth six, or sixth six, six. inning. Yeah. Um, but he, he carried a no hitter for a lot of that ball game, seven innings, three hits, 10 strikeouts, just one walk against the Tampa Bay Rays. That was his best performance of his career. I am suspecting we'll see a few more performances just like that this season. That's got to be one of the best rookie pitching, starting pitching performances I've seen. No, my sentence is all fucked up. That's one of the best pitching performances by a rookie starting pitcher I've seen the Blue Jay make in my life. I mean, I'm sure there was tons of good ones in like the 80s and 90s that I would have yeah. missed, but like they've had a lot of, you know, you know, you, you, you got like your Jesse Litch putting together eight and two thirds, one run. But this was like a whole different animal because he was just yeah. getting whiff after whiff after whiff, 10 strikeouts. And what did he have? I think it was like seven 20. in a row at one point. Yeah, it was insane. I think all told he had 27 whiffs on the game or something like that. It's, it's insane. He, he picked apart that Tampa Bay lineup and that Tampa Bay lineup had almost all their regulars in it as well. Um, he just, he looked so good. And for a guy who jumped through the minor leagues as quickly as he did, I think maybe we were expecting there to be 
a few more hiccups in the process of him becoming a major league pitcher. And granted, those still could come. He is, you know, he's only thrown 36 and two thirds innings at the major league level, but he is a 2.7 ERA. Like when he came up, a lot of people had high expectations, but I think he's even blown the doors off those high expectations being as good as he has been consistently. Oh yeah. He's, he's better than anybody reasonably could have thought. I mean, he's, he's putting up like, these are the kind of outings that we saw him putting up in Buffalo. And we were like, this is a joke. He can't be pitching in this level. He's too good for this. Mm. And he's doing this against the Tampa Bay Rays who are good. They're, you know, they're not a, they're not a great lineup. They're, you know, they're not at their best right now. It's, it's a solid lineup. It's a fine lineup. It's a big league lineup. And he just made them look like triple A guys. He made them look like jokes. He was just, the slider was just insane. It was just, it was something else like that's a, yeah, that, I think that was for this season, definitely my favorite pitching performance to watch so far. That was incredible. I'm with, I'm with you hundred percent so far Manoa in any of his performances, he's never given up more than four hits in a start. There was the one bad start against Baltimore where he gave up uh, four home runs on four hits. Uh, but still it's, it's been great for Manoa and that start against Tampa Bay was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, moving on to our next one. We're sticking with the starting rotation. It was Ross Stripling who delivered another solid performance. Five and two thirds, one earned run, two hits against racks up five K's. Ever since we talked a bunch of shit about this guy in like three straight <laughs> podcasts, he has found a way to flip a switch and turn it around. I, they, they got something here and I don't know if it's going to stay until yeah. August or September, but for right now, Ross Stripling has, has made an incredibly positive impact on this season. Yeah, so to take it all the way back, I tweeted this on the BJN account um, after his start. So when we were bitching about him every single podcast, even when he wasn't pitching, we were bitching about him. We were just finding ways to pitch about this guy. He was our number one whipping boy. We loved it. He had um, a 720 ERA. And over his last eight starts with you know his last one on Saturday being the most recent, the eighth one, it's gone down to 406. Jeez. So he's damn near chopped that thing in half in eight games. He hasn't had a bad start since what's this now, like late May, you know, he, he, he completely changed. He um, changed the way he had his glove for his delivery. He was tipping pitches a whole bunch. And now he's got that sorted out and he's now pitching like the guy who was quite good for the LA Dodgers. I know I said, I thought it was bizarre. They traded for him and they gave up so much for him because I thought, you know, he was kind of, he was average. Of, yeah. He was okay. He was a bit of a Dodgers. He was an, an all-star one year, but he was an all-star one year, but yeah. he was just one of those guys that wasn't good enough to make a very deep rotation. And I thought, Hmm, it's, it's a bit much to give up a good prospect for a guy like that. But to be fair to Ross Stripling, like you said, he was an all-star one year. He was, it was the year the Dodgers had Clayton Kershaw out and him, Jin Ryu, I think missed the entire season. And uh, Walker Bueller was injured too. And Strip, Stripling was unreal for them that year. And he was a key reason why they had one of the best re- records in the national league. And I mean, that's what we're seeing again this year. He's actually pretty good. So we have to take back every bad thing we've said about this guy and make him a plus on every podcast for the rest of the year. That's what we have to do. Even if he gets bumped into the bullpen at some point, I'm confident that this guy can be a good bullpen arm for you who can consistently give you one to two innings whenever he's kind of called upon in those situations. But another solid start for Stripling, our third up for this series. Guess what? We're sticking with the rotation. Uh, the rotation, yeah, it was a massive positive here. And Robbie Ray, seven innings, two earned, six strikeouts, only five hits against. He only walked two again. The conversation around Robbie Ray six months ago would have been, you know, can he figure out the command issues? Can he be a decent 
middle of the rotation guy for the Jays. Could he be their three, right? I think at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. we all kind of thought they didn't have a two. They had Ryu and a bunch of guys who could be three, four, five. We were hoping Robbie Ray would be three. He might yeah. be number one now, like you're saying. No, it might be. He is. He is. Okay. Robbie Ray is undoubtedly the ace of the staff at this point, in my opinion. Like, uh, I, I, I started saying it as a joke a few weeks ago, and now I'm all in on it. Robbie Ray is the staff's ace. It goes Robbie Ray one, <laughs> Ross Tripling two, and Alec Manoa three. It's, it's, it is actually kind of funny. I think Stoughton tweeted this. He said something along the lines of exactly how I predicted it coming into the year. I'm excited to see Robbie Ray, Alec Manoa, and Ross Stripling going into a key series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Because <laughs> that's like right now, like that's your big three. And you did not expect that to be your big three. You're like, yeah, okay. Like nobody thought Manoa was going to be on the team in fucking July. Nobody thought Ross Stripling was going to be a difference maker. And I think most people thought at best Robbie Ray was going to be a roller coaster ride as their three. And here he is now. He's the race. And you love to see it. It's it's unbelievable. Uh, that stat line again. Another six strikeouts. Only two walks. His ERA on the year is 3.36. Uh, really, really good. One honorable mention you wrote down, and I'm happy you did, was Santiago Espinal getting his first career home run. That was a feel-good moment. That was nice to see. Like, the look on his face when that thing <laughs> went out was priceless. It was. It was really nice to see. And it was nice to see the the players and the team gave him, like, a really nice reception when he mm-hmm. when he got back. I mean... I don't know why we don't see Santiago Espinal playing more, to be totally honest with you. I mean, do I think he's going to put up, he's got a 304 batting average right now and a 756 OPS. Is he going to keep that up? No, probably not. But he is by a wide margin, their best third baseman. Like it's not even close. And I mean, given the defense he gives you in that position, like I think you can take a gamble with the bat, especially because right now he's, he's hot. So I thought it was kind of bizarre that he wasn't starting in the third game after hitting that dinger, but yeah. Still a great moment. Uh, the other honorable mention I wanted to give was to Adam Simber, who now in three appearances yes. with the Toronto Blue Jays, he's racked up three and a thirds inning, only allowed two hits and no earned runs, no runs against at all. So Jays look like they may have picked up a pretty important of their piece, a pretty important piece for their bullpen moving forward here. If Simber can keep it up. Uh, that's all the fun stuff. Those were the three ups, even though we ended up having like five of them, whatever, who cares? It's our podcast. Uh, the downs. Defense in game three, it it kind of felt like it had been three-ish weeks since we really had to complain about the defense. Why are you laughing so hard? I don't know why that was so funny. That's really funny. (laughs) Uh, The defense in game three or me saying it's our podcast, it doesn't matter. That part, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, the defense sucked ass in the third game of the series. Um, It did. It was a nightmare. Been a while since we've kind of talked about this, but again, like, fuck that. I mean, it ties into your Espinal point, right? Like I know Espinal playing third wouldn't have saved the Bo Bichette airs or the Teoscar misplay or anything like that. But still, this team probably has to get better defensively. That uh, specifically, it was, I don't think this play mattered at all. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to map out how this worked in my head, but um, it was the Bo Bichette one where he um, where he ranged over and he spun around and he tries to do this like Derek Jeter hero throw. And it's like nowhere close. The guy's already at first base and bounces all the way. Guy ends up on third base. This was probably the Dolly sending. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember now. It's it all was. a bit of a blur. Yeah, it was a Dolly sending. I mean, he was probably going to melt down regardless. Didn't matter that much. The really bad one was the Teoscar one that kind of, um, I mean, one of Ray's runs there, he allowed two runs. One probably should have been under and based on that, but. Yeah, the Jays still aren't very good defensively. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> it's definitely still a team weakness. I don't know if this is something that's going to be addressed or if I don't I don't really know how you go about fixing this. It kind of just is what it is at this point. This is what the players are. But 
you know, when you have situations like this is again, why you'd like to see Santiago Espinal in the lineup more often, I think where you have opportunities to make the team better defensively, like why not use this guy more? That's what I think. But again, like you said, it wouldn't have made a difference today on Sunday. Um, such his life. Speaking of that bow play where he should absolutely know to, to just keep the ball in his glove. I think Buck oh, and yeah. Pat talked about that. And as much as I groaned about 30 times this series at shit, Buck and Pat were saying they made a good point there. He should have held onto the ball. Um, it ties into our next down, which was just kind of everything that happened in that third game. And Diaz being pretty much on first base already when Bo throws the ball, it gets away and Diaz like kicks it into right field and then ends up on third base. Like, Everything that happened that inning, that inning specifically, but the third game, like you knew they weren't going through three games against Tampa Bay without some dumb, weird shit happening. No. Yeah. Cause it was, it was the blue Jays who were having weird race shit happen for them in the first two games, Yeah, especially game two. They had a whole bunch of wacky stuff happening. Um, you know, Tampa Bay making bizarre defensive moves, Kevin cash making real head scratching pitching changes there both in the first two games and it was like oh geez it's a nice role reversal but then of course in the third game the tampa bay Rays bullshit comes back and they're getting this wacky stuff guys are missing balls kicking balls into the outfield rafael dolis comes out and implodes just standard weird raised stuff but you're not going to go a whole series without it so at least they had already won the first two games can't complain that much and Dolis is our third down here in his return from injury. He uh, did not do very well, allows the three earned runs, doesn't get out of the one inning. He was assigned to to do, um, could have kept the ball game close with the top of the order coming up in the ninth, which you would have really, really liked to see. Um, if they keep upgrading this bullpen, like like where does he sit sort of on the depth chart? Like I saw Stoughton, Stoughton tweeted out, uh, Romano, Miza, Dolly, Simber, Barucky, Merriweather, Axford is not even all that bad. Um, when you rattle off those names, Dolise is the last guy on that depth chart potentially for me. Like if they go out and make another significant ad, like he might not be here. Yeah, I'd say right now, the two guys you have who are pretty clearly reliable are Romano's your closer and Simber's kind of your bridging the gap guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's your eighth inning guy, but he's a bridging the gap guy. And then I think Tim Mays has been pretty reliable lately. So those three guys are ahead of Dolis for me right now. And then Dolis might be the fourth guy. But then when you get a Baraki and a Merriweather back, that probably bumps him down a little bit more. I don't think I would put a John Axford above <laughs> Dolis in the depth chart, yeah, but fair. if he keeps having oper- if he keeps having outings like this, then geez, like. I don't think we're anywhere near like a Rafael Dolis DFA situation just quite yet. Like he, he's, he still has been good for the Jays in the past. He was very good last year and he's had good outings this year too, but I think there's a bit of a confirmation bias when it comes to Dolis, just given he's so uncomfortable to watch that even when he does have a good outing, we don't view it as such. You're like, Oh, we don't enjoy it. Yeah. No, it sucks. Every single time, like he can come in and strike out the side, but it's still going to take 46 minutes and it's going to be wildly unpleasant. Every single guy is going to have a full count and every single guy is almost going to get hit by a pitch and it's going to be jarring to watch, but he still has like good stuff and he's had good results. So I think he needs a little bit more leash before we're like, you know, firing him into the sun. That's three up, three down presented by Twig and Berries. If you hit up their website, twigandberries.ca, you can get free shipping on orders $75 or more. Get ready for summer. Gear up, twigandberries.ca. Uh, you mentioned John Axford there and a tweet from Keegan Matheson that I that I noticed you sent me. Uh, Danny Jansen caught for Axford down in AAA and said Axford was, quote, throwing bowling balls. Added, I don't think there was a pitch under 97. 
Uh, John Axford, the ultimate experiment, the ultimate Hail Mary of a play to fix your bullpen. <laughs> but he's in AAA and, you know, by the reports of the guy who caught the ball for him, he looks pretty good. Uh, how long do you think they need to go with John Axford uh, in the minors before they just kind of say, like, you know what, fuck it. If this is going to work, it's going to work and we got to try it. Yeah, the challenge is you got to be really sure because the team already has a pretty difficult uh, 40-man roster crunch. I mean, they have a handful of guys still on the 60-day injured list that are going to be coming back. So that's a challenge to deal with. You don't want to be DFAing a guy for Axford who's, you know, you don't want to, like, like, a, like, a, like a serviceable-ish guy, right? You don't want to be getting rid of, um, oh, geez, I'm thinking like a Nick Allagai or somebody like that so that yeah. you can bring on John Axford to come make three appearances and get lit the fuck up, right? Like, I think you want to give him july and in triple a to see what you got here but it is a it is a it is a good start i mean you have danny jansen saying that everything's above 97 miles an hour like the peripherals are checking out he's throwing heat that's what you need like this bullpen needs it's you know fucking cagey veteran jason grilly type to sit there and drink a black coffee and tell stories like that's what you like to have in your bullpen so that's what john axford can be that's not, i think that's what they're looking for uh, speaking of sort of roster moves and all of that, Alejandro Kirk's going to stay down in AAA. Danny Jansen is back up with the big club. He did get into a game here in the series finale. He went one for two before getting pinch hit for Reese McGuire. Um, Alejandro Kirk down in AAA. This kind of just feels like, you know, they're going to keep him there until maybe a trade is made or until there's another injury, but they, they seem okay with Kirk just getting a bunch of ABs in AAA. Yeah, it's weird. It's it's a difficult situation because at this point, like, let's be real, you're not going to DFA Reese McGuire right now. He's been playing really, really good. That would just be weird. I think we've talked about this in the past, and it does kind of seem like they're going to try and wait this out and maybe try and involve one of them in a trade. Maybe it's Kirk who ends up in a trade if they get someone good back. You know, like, um, if you're going to pull the trigger on a deal for a starting pitcher, then Kirk's a reasonable one to be involved, given their depth at catcher. Yeah. Maybe McGuire gets traded for a reliever. They seem to be very high on Danny Jansen. I mean, everyone's kind of soured on him because he can't hit worth a lick. But, I mean, he is a very good defensive catcher, and he calls a really good game. He, he's Hunjin Ryu's personal catcher. I can see when, why they made this decision. But When the other eight parts of your lineup are as good as the Blue yeah. Jays are, you can afford to waste a – in air quotes, waste a spot on a good – defensive catcher right like i i've always felt that's a concession you can kind of make towards the bottom of your lineup yeah i mean there's there's two positions where you can accept somebody who can't hit and it's catcher and shortstop those are really the only mm-hmm. two and if if jansen's not hitting but he's very good defensively and he's making pitchers better if he is then sure why not whatever it is what it is mm-hmm. aleandro kirk can use time in triple a it's not the end of the world like he skipped the entire minors last year it's not like we have a this is not like a prospect who's just completely overripe and needs to be in the major leagues right now i mean you can live with it uh let, let's switch gears again here as we work our way through our worth mentioning segment and uh you got up at this site bluejaysnation.com you've been doing some kind of you know get to know the sellers and the one that went up two days ago eric lightfoot wrote it uh was on the minnesota twins and we've kind of known you know for for a a few weeks, if not more than that, that the twins would likely be sellers here. And and the names that Eric mentioned were Tyler Duffy, Taylor Rogers, and Jose Barrios. Um, one name who's worked himself into the news recently that some fans are somewhat interested in 
is Josh Donaldson, the former Blue Jay bringer of rain 2015 MVP. I think for the most part, we all kind of loved him here, um, especially during those runs. He was electric. But you pointed me in the direction of an interesting article from Vinny Duber of uh, NBC Sports in Chicago. And it's Liam Hendricks talking about how he's not a big Josh Donaldson fan. And Hendricks told NBC Sports, quote, Playing with Donaldson, I'm not a Donaldson fan. On the field, one of the greatest. You want him on the team behind you, but I saw behind the curtain too much, and I'm not a fan. He added, quote, turned many teammates into enemies. Uh, this is really, really interesting to, to hear about Donaldson. Like We know that behind the scenes he can be fiery, but to have a guy like Hendricks, whose team, the White Sox, is feuding with Donaldson right now, uh, to have him come out and be as publicly brunt about that, like, when you hear stuff like that, does it make you want the Jays to acquire a guy like Donaldson less, even though he might be a good fit on the field? Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, the thing with Donaldson is, uh, you know, a lot of people say this. They're like, oh, the Jays should bring Josh Donaldson back. He's the exact lightning rod firecracker of a guy who would be perfect for this team right now. And he also plays the position on the field they so badly need. Obviously, the number one need is pitchers. But yeah. if there's one spot on the field, they could upgrade his third base. And that'd be exciting. But I, I personally, I cannot see it happening just because if this front office wanted Josh Donaldson to be a part of what they're doing now, they would have signed him in the first place. Like he was here and they couldn't even be fucked to give him a qualifying offer to come back again. It was, we're going to trade you away at your lowest point of value when you've been injured a whole bunch. And, you know, we're going to get a player to be named later. It was Julian Merriweather who, you know, we've now seen and we 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 realize is quite good, but you know, a band-aid of a guy. Yeah. And that's what they that's what they did rather than you know qualifying him and giving him a chance because he explicitly said he would come back and stay in Toronto again. But there's a reason that happened. And I mean, again, it's the same thing. There's a reason that they opted to trade Marcus Stroman too. I mean, yeah, these are two guys who at the front office decided they didn't want to have around and they they didn't want to have be here when the new crop of young guys came up. And, you know, this, this quote from Hendricks is really interesting because there's uh, uh, it was a few years ago on BJ and Ian Hunter, uh, Blue Jays Hunter wrote about a report that Dalton Pompey said that he got bullied on the 2015 team and lost all of his confidence. And that's largely what went into him kind of imploding that year. Mm -hmm. And we never really knew who that was, but, if you do a little bit of math in your head, you know, you think about the, you know, there's a famous comment, all the fans love it was, this isn't the trial league. This is the get shit done league. And you say that to the media about your teammates, what do you say to them when nobody's around? You're, I, I like the point you made about this front office was very, very careful with who was going to be around this young core, right? I think that's a big reason why a guy like Charlie Montoya was hired, right? Very upbeat, very positive. I can see Montoya being a guy behind the scenes who wouldn't take any of that shit if someone's in the locker room stirring it up, who, who doesn't really... Montoya strikes me as a guy who has a lot of patience, but might not have a lot of patience for egos. And you brought up the Stroman thing as well. So as good of a fit as Donaldson may be on the field, you mentioned it, third base, can play good defense, bat, batting 252 this year with 13 home runs and an OPS of 838. I, I think I'm with you. I think I'd rather steer clear. And if you're going to go get a bat, maybe get someone who, who doesn't come with as much baggage as Josh Donaldson does. And, and this is coming from a guy, I mean, fucking in the closet behind me, I have a Josh Donaldson. Oh, I was doing in the we 2015 run, I rocked a shirt that said bringer of rain. Like I fucking love the guy, but I think it's when you look at this Jays team right now, 
I, I think it's probably best to steer clear of a guy like JD. Yeah, I agree. And also you're His looking contract. at the contract yeah. too. Yeah. He's, he's older now. He's, he's 35 now. And next year he signed $21 million, $21 million in 2023. And then at 38 years old in 2024, he's got a $16 million option with an $8 million buyout. I just, I just don't see it happening. Like you, I mean, you can spend your money better than that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Josh Donaldson's fantastic. Great player. I consider him a Blue Jays legend personally. Other people won't agree because he's only here for like three years, but I don't know. He's a, he's great, but I think the ship has sailed. I don't see the front office circling back there. Same reason. I don't see the front office. People have said, Oh, go sign Marcus Stroman next winter. No, it's not going to happen. They, 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 they got rid of him in the first place. They're not bringing it back. It's, 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 you know, 2015 is over. It's a new group now. It is what it is. There's our uh, trade talk for the episode as we'll, uh, we'll continue to pick that up as we sort of head down the next three weeks here and into trade deadline season. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the episode here, Coomzy. So let's set up the next three coming up against the Baltimore Orioles. Um, they have Monday off as well. So a day off for the Jays to rest and then three in Baltimore. Uh, this Orioles team, you know, two game losing streak looking at the standings right now. They're 20 games back of the wild card 24 and a half back of the division. They're 22 and 47 against teams who are above 500. They're 15 and 30 uh, or sorry, 12 and 26 at home. Like they're not a good baseball team. The Jays have seen them a lot recently. No reason for Toronto to not go sweep this series. Right? Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, unfortunately they don't have their big three. They have their, uh, their number four and five starters, uh, Ryu and Mats. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds hilarious to say that, but yeah, I mean, I'm not actually being serious, but yeah, you got, you got the Orioles coming up. They're just dog shit and anything less than a sweep at this point is wildly disappointing. The thing I'm actually more interested in seeing is uh, Tampa on the other side of this is going to play Cleveland. And it's like, what happens there? Maybe they drop two to Cleveland. Who's not terrible. And the Jays sweep uh, Baltimore and they go and pick up some more games on the Rays. That's what, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be scoreboard watching because I've already, I already expect a sweep knock on wood. It's a, hopefully we're not jinxing not, not it to have every time we've said back. sweep on this podcast they don't do it um but okay you mentioned it's it's ryu mats and then would it be manoa again in the in the finale should be manoa in the finale yeah should be manoa in the finale so it looks like the jays kind of got that rotation sorted out or are we missing a name in there no we're not okay. Manoa was on friday so yeah manoa was on friday was, uh, the opener against tampa so yep. that would make sense um, all right, there we go. Three against the Orioles. Fuck. I mean, the bats are going pretty well, save the final game against Tampa Bay. The pitching seems to be working. The bullpen seems to be working pretty well, save the appearance from Rafael Dolis. Like this Jays team is actually playing some good ball right now. And they haven't maybe had the sexy sweep to kind of stamp it where you could say, yeah, this is a hot streak, but you go back and like they lost two or three to the Mariners. But aside from that, you know, have a win against Tampa three or four against Baltimore, back-to-back wins over Miami, and then two or three against Baltimore as well. They're doing their job against the, in this stretch of the schedule. And we talked about how, you know, in this final 10-game stretch before the All-Star break, sorry, nine-game stretch in the All-Star break, we wanted to see them go, like, at worst, six and three, and they're kind of on pace to do that. Yeah, that was the whole thing is, so they're 43 and 39 now, and you want them to be, just within striking distance of the all-star break. Cause then yeah. you can, you know, go at the trade deadline, acquire two relievers, a starter, whatever you do. And it, you patch up the holes and go on a deep run. And I think 
they've capitalized on the soft schedule. They've won a head to head against the Rays here. Now go ahead and sweep Baltimore and do well against the Rays again. And you're, you know, what, like six, seven games above 500, the all-star break can't complain about that at all. Given the injuries they've had. Even if they were to just take two or three from Baltimore and then go win the series against Tampa again, at that point, you're going to be at minimum three games back of the wild card heading into the all-star break. I, I think we'll take that from a Blue Jays perspective, especially when you consider how much shit kind of didn't go their way with injuries and blowing games late with that bullpen. You know, the, the, the start of the year has been a bit of a roller coaster ride. And like you said, if you can make it to the all-star break and a little bit after that, still be in the hunt and load up this bullpen and get ready for a big run. Like there's, there's a lot of reason to believe that come September, We'll be doing a lot of scoreboard watching and there will be a lot of big, big ball games, which is what we want here. Uh, Coombs, like. Yeah. Uh, Coombsy, we're going to wrap this thing up here. Shout out to Twig and Berries. Also shout out to uh, our friends at Viridian Global, who we teamed up with over at nationgear.ca for our dome sweet dome shirt. Maybe when September rolls around, we'll be talking about the Jays being back in the dome. At that point, head to nationgear.ca. Uh, you can pick out your size. Also for the stretch drive, I think we're going to have a new shirt launching on nationgear.ca as well. Um, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Coomsey, you enjoy uh, this series against Baltimore, I guess. Hopefully they're just beating the shit out of the Orioles the whole time. Uh, but you enjoy it, and we'll recap it on Thursday. Let's do it. That's right. Better sweep the fucking Orioles. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter pretty litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness it's the world's smartest kitty litter Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.